Anyway, so we're glad that you're here with us. Um, it is uh, New Year's Eve, and uh, we're especially glad that you chose to spend this time with us. Um, especially love with, with all our mommies and daddies and grandmas, grandpas, and everybody too. So hope you had a very Merry Christmas. Um, I, I want to just take a minute to, to um, first, by the way, I'm wearing pajamas. It's Pajama Sunday. Okay, so this is not a mistake. Pastor Chris didn't just wake, wake up and roll out of bed. So we have several folks that are participating. If you chose not to participate, that's okay too. But we had Wiz up here on the, the cajon. He's done in his PJs and everything. So if you see people, it's not because we just woke up. We're celebrating the fact we have permission to wear our pajamas to church today. Yay, yeah. And our slide and um, camera guy in the back, you need to check out his, his whole garb of his pajamas. Stefan, he's in the back there. Too. So make sure you see him on your way out. But um, yeah, so anyway, just want to take a moment to celebrate um, our Advent and Christmas season. Um, over the month of December, we had the opportunity to um, both serve and, and minister with about 400 people in our community locally. Um, through some of the meals that we've host, hosted with the Supper Table and New Hope Ministries, our breakfast, breakfast with Santa event, the gifts that you also generously donated to the Christmas Blessing Express um, to bless some families that were in need over the holiday. So, so thank you for that. And then over Christmas Eve, if you were with us last Sunday, uh, we had over 200 people, about 250 people, including those online, um, worship with us which was amazing, a really great, uh, I don't know about you, if you were here with us or worship online, it was an amazing, powerful Sunday, both in the morning and in the evening. So thank you for being a part of that, and thank you for inviting some friends, some family, some neighbors, and everything. Um, you never know the, how the light of Christ might shine in someone's life, especially in this new year. So um, I want to start off this uh, message today with a question. Um, that question for you is, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? And I'm not talking like magic, like, like the genie in the bottle, or wishing on a star, or that kind of thing. But do you believe that God moves and still moves in miraculous ways? And I see a lot of, a lot of head nods here. Um, but a follow-up question, um, to kind of go with that. Do you live like it? You believe in miracles, but do you live like it? Um, and so I confess here, um, as your pastor, um, I do believe in miracles. I have seen miracles before my eyes, yes, in the form of, of healings, but also I've seen families come together. I've seen people um, conquer their addiction. I've seen all sorts of things happen in people's lives, transformation from being one way to turning to another, and I believe that's the work of, of God there. Um, but I also have to confess I don't always believe in miracles all the time. Um, in other words, I kind of hedge back and forth. That sometimes I believe very strongly, but then other times I have trouble believing. I don't know if that's you, if you can kind of resonate with that. Um, and let me give you an example of how that plays out. So um, we have some folks that have been longtime members here at Table Life Church before we even called Table Life Church, way before I started here two and a half years ago. And, um, and for about 17 years, there was a congregation that rented this church space in the afternoon. Um, they were a Ukrainian Baptist church, and about 17 years they rented part of the building. And a lot of what we, our church did as ministry relied on the income that came 
from that church's rental. Well, uh, just about a year and a half ago, that church came to us and said, guess what? They had bought a building. Actually, you can go to the old Unity Church, I think in Enola. You can pass by. That's where they currently reside. And they had bought a building, and they were moving. And our church board, and especially finance team, was like, ah! Like, oh my gosh! Like, there was a big chunk of income that was coming to help supply the ministries and things that were going on here. Well, would you believe it that both last year and this year, without the extra added income coming from that congregation, we were able to meet our budgets and even beyond our budget for both years, for both 2022 and 2023. Like, miracle, right? We were stressed out. We're like, oh my gosh, we need to find somebody else. Like, what are we going to do? All this kind of stuff. Like, there's several people in the room here that are like nodding their heads. Like, yeah, totally. And we were like, like a miracle. Like, the generosity of the body of Christ supplied exactly what we needed. Another thing was um, we started this ministry called the Supper Table over in Lemoyne. It's a once a month community, free community meal that we host. And it's been such a blessing to so many people. And, um, and we have a, like a budget item, but also like people kind of give outside of that from different sources um, to help us do that, to provide a meal for about like 80 people every month, which is a lot. And, um, and so uh, there was, it came a point this past year that our little team that we were like planning and stuff, and we're like, maybe we should like cut things back. Like plastic tablecloths, who needs them? Like, maybe we could save some money, like, so we could just have some, like, placemats and print things out and kind of keep cut down on the costs and things. Well, would you believe that with the supper table ministry this past year, of the budget money we had budgeted from our church, and once again, we want to keep doing that, but um, we spent absolutely zero. And the way I, I'm mentioning that is we had, had so many donations of goods, of items, of food, of um, people that just went and said, hey, no, don't worry about it. I'll, you know, give. We had donations at the meal that just provided for it that we were totally in the black, actually, with helping provide that meal. So we can look forward and we can say, wow, we can continue to serve. Maybe we'll go to twice a month. And maybe we can continue to expand and share the good news of Jesus with so many more people. Um, and that's huge. And that's huge. And I have to say, like, I don't always believe it. <laughs> I don't always, like, you know, I stress out, and I'm like, well, how are we going to do this? I feel like God's leading us in this direction. Um, and, and, you know, I've always been scared of falling short, of, of kind of casting a vision saying we could do something, and then disappointing people, disappointing our, our church or our teams or other people that are depending on me because I'm trying to do something. Um, but I, I think I do what a lot of us do. You know, I, I hedge my bets and I kind of lower my expectations of what can and what will happen, and even my expectations of God. <laughs> I, I do that. Um, and, but when we do that, we don't necessarily expect a miracle. We don't expect our needs to be provided. We don't expect anything to change. And, and what happens over time, that as you continue to do that and lower your expectations, even lower your, your belief, uh, what happens over time is that our hopes start shriveling up. They get real small. Our expectations of others, of God, get very small. And then I've noticed, too, that our prayers, our prayers get small. And, and I guess, you know, that's understandable for all of us who would consider ourselves realists, 
I don't know if you're a realist like me, you know, sometimes I'm idealist, but a lot of times I'm realistic, um, that you don't begin to expect that anything different is up ahead from what you've experienced before in the past. But the thing is, especially in this time of year, we forget, though, that the Christmas story itself was a miracle that did happen despite no one expecting it. And, and so as, as we end this year, um, I want us to sit with this thought. Um, we live in a world that doesn't tend to receive or believe in miracles or look to God as any kind of source of transformation. It's constantly trying to explain things away. You know, and I get that. I come from a science background. I understand that. But I want us, I want us to ultimately rediscover a different posture this year as looking at and dreaming about what is possible. Dreaming about what, is, what could be miraculous. And so today we're going to look at a story, um, not of Jesus' birth, but basically later on as an adult, uh, when he's doing public ministry, he's called his disciples around him to follow him and learn from him. And, and I think this story that we're going to look at today, it's in your worship guides, and we'll have it up on the screen, but I think it encapsulates this, this tension that exists that Jesus still does miracles. That Jesus still does miracles. And it's a story of a healing. It's a story of a healing. And so let me just give you just a brief setup. So there's this man in the story who has a son who is described as suffering from a demon. And so in ancient times, um, demon possession, by the way, was an explanation for lots and lots of things. Mental issues, some people think like epilepsy, um, some people like an actual demon that's there. And, and so we don't actually know what possessed this boy. All we know is that he had a problem and nobody could help. Nobody could help. And so Mark, Mark's gospel tells us this in Mark chapter 9. A man in the crowd answered. This is the guy with the son. He says, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him from speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How's that for a response? How long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. So, so there's a lot of healing stories in the Bible. There's a lot of healing stories that Jesus is a part of. Um, but there's some things that are unique about this story that I, that I really appreciate, that I really love here. First is this idea that the man had tried everything. He tried everything. He goes to the, we're told he goes to the disciples, right? The people that are closest to Jesus, Jesus' buddies. And he goes to the disciples they can't even help him, right? Like, what's with that? Nobody could help him. So nothing short of a miracle could, could help this boy, could help his son. And so you, when he's talking to Jesus, when he's talking to Jesus, you can hear his desperation. How he's just, he's ready to just throw in the towel and give up. 
you can hear how desperate he is. I mean, the guy's saying, like, since childhood, this guy's been suffering, right? For years, for years and years. And you can hear it, just almost hear it in his voice as you're reading this, that he's been trying so, so hard. He's at the end of his rope. And I think, I think a lot of us can, can feel that, right? A lot of us know what it's like to be that man, and maybe you're in that place right now. Um, there's something that's been going on a long, long time, and you've been praying, you've been trying to find the doctors, you've been talking to people, you've been doing this, and it seems like nothing is changing and nothing is helping. And, and maybe you've been on the verge of thinking, well, therefore nothing is going to change. I've tried everything. You know what it's like to look ahead Maybe at the new year, and then you see, all you see ahead is what is in the past, a repeat of what's going on, and there's going to be nothing different. He tried everything. But then we see, though, that the man decided to try one more time. One more time. So he asked Jesus what he's already asked so many people, including the disciples, probably over the years, all the, the people that he knew. In verse 22, he says, but... If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Help us, Jesus. You know what I hear that as? That's a Hail Mary pass. That's a total Hail Mary. You know, you're down in the game. You're down by just a couple of points, and the, you have one more down, and there's the guy in the end zone, and you throw the pass, praying and hoping that maybe something would hit. But he tries one more time. One more time. He doesn't, I don't think, really believe down inside, if you maybe asked him to reflect back the, you know, later on, I don't think he really believes anything will change inside, but he's willing to try. He's willing to try, and Jesus hears that. You know, I, I think of how many times maybe we're just one more step, we're just one more try away from receiving that answer to prayer, but we give up. Just one more try. He tries one more time, even without maybe believing it, that anything's going to happen. He says, I'm willing to do one more thing. Meet with one more person. Have one more conversation. And Jesus hears him. And we're told, Jesus' response, like we said, is a little curt there. Seems a little bit, um, a little bit direct, if you will. Jesus' question, though, he, he says, if you can, if you can said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Let's just pause. If you can, that's a question. And of course, the, the scriptures, um, they don't have punctuation, by the way. The original Greek that these scriptures are written in, that Mark wrote, um, doesn't have punctuation. There's no question mark there. Uh, there's no tone of voice. There's no italics there. But I believe that the if would probably be in all caps, italicized, and bold. Where Jesus is like, if you can, right? Like, people, come on now. Like, if you can, like, Jesus is like, do you not know who I am? Like, that you're coming to me? You know, Jesus reminds us that the question of God is never one of possibility. It's never one of just a possibility. See, and then when, what Jesus says next is quoted on stickers, memes, mugs, and t-shirts. He says, if you can, and go back to that scripture, he says, everything is possible for one who believes, right? Maybe you have something, you have a little thing on your refrigerator, or maybe you have the t-shirt, I don't know. But, but Jesus isn't saying here that everything you absolutely have ever prayed for, wished for, is going to happen exactly the way that you thought it would happen. 
or is going to happen in the time that you want it to happen. What Jesus is saying is that with God, nothing is outside the realm of possibility. Nothing. See, Jesus is asking the man a a return question, even though we don't have a little question mark there. He's asking a return question. He's asking, do you have that kind of faith that believes that God can work and change things? Do you have a kind of faith that believes that God can work, God is working, and God can change things, God can transform things? And we see that the man's response, he wants to say yes. He wanted to say yes. But he was also honest. He's also honest. I think most of us, if we were asked that by Jesus, you know, did you have that kind of faith? We would want to say yes. You know, maybe maybe you you're not even sure about like uh, this Jesus thing or whatever. But you would want to say yes if your son was sick and suffering from seizures. You would want to say yes. I think most of us would want to say yes. But inside, just being unsure, uncertainty, and so what follows. This is the one time in the Bible a man upstages Jesus with a better quote. And he says this, immediately the boy's father exclaimed in verse 24, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. I think that's a little bit strong there, right? It's powerful. Help me overcome my belief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Do you know, I, I get what he's saying. Do, do you understand what he's saying? Have you ever felt that? Like, I do believe but I got this inside that I'm just, mm, I'm not sure, Jesus. I'm really not sure. I've been disappointed so many times before. I'm unsure. I'm struggling. Jesus, help me. Does that sound familiar? You ever had those thoughts? Have those words ever come out of your mouth? You know, anyone who's ever tested God only to be disappointed, you know what it's like to be this guy. It's a time in Jesus's ministry, by the way, when people are starting to fall away from Jesus. He had the crowds, right? He fed everybody. He gave them what they wanted. And they still fell away in unbelief. And Jesus is heading to Jerusalem where he knew that his last moments were coming, that he would be tried and crucified. But Jesus wants to give this man and those around him a reason to hope again. A reason to hope again. And so what happens next I'm not going to read this in the scripture. You can continue in that chapter. But uh, what happens next is he invites the boy over. Jesus brings the boy over. Jesus casts out the demon. He picks the boy up. He sends him to his father and sends him on his way. And everybody standing around is probably like this. Like, right? Like, what just happened here? You know, the healing, of course, is significant. But even more so, everyone around was left believing in what is possible. And I was thinking about this. Why did it happen this way? And also the question, why does it always happen? Have you ever asked that before? Why does it always happen? Like, why this person and why not that person? Why some situations and others not? And truthfully, I don't have the answer to that question at all. But by their very nature, miracles are inexplicable things. But they're also, they're also easy to dismiss because we don't understand them. But I have to say that every day, every day, you and I, every day, we wake up with a choice with how we will approach what is possible in our lives. And for a lot of us, the, the, the day in and day out, the disappointments, 
They, they can all make us think we know what will happen next. And we look back based on what has happened the last year and the year before that, and we think we can predict what's going to happen. And, and so after enough dash hopes and dash prayers, it's tempting for us to stop believing in God. Stop believing that God can do anything new. And it's very understandable, by the way. It's sensible and it's realistic. I get that. And sometimes in church, we stop talking about it. Sometimes even in church, we set our expectations low. Just keep it low. Just a safe place. We know we can reach those things even on our own power. We set expectations low for church, for people, for life. So we can just be realistic and do what we can handle and that we approach the new year as nothing new will even happen. But in this story, in this story, I think Jesus seems to say, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't live your life that way. See, Jesus seems to be reminding the man, and he's reminding the disciples, he's reminding the crowd, and he's reminding us that things are possible. It's possible. God is able and Jesus wants people to live that way. He wants us to live that way as and believing that things are possible. That at any minute, in any year, God can show up and he can do something. He can change things. But we need to live our lives as if we believe God will show up. And Jesus promises that we'll be better for it. And I have to say, I've seen it. I've seen it, friends. Some of the ministry work I do, both um, locally and with uh, our, our district as part of the Nazarene Church, we're here in the Mid-Atlantic District, uh, sometimes I get to work with other churches around the country, talking about, like, thinking outside the box and connecting with your community. Um, if you've read any statistics recently, just about church in general, you'll see that generally the church is in decline. Fewer and fewer people are attending, and there's many churches that have shrunk in size, and there's like 10 people or 20, maybe I have a friend that ministers, one of her churches has five people in it on a Sunday morning, and, and, and there's some places and there's some communities that um, don't expect anything new to happen in their church, that they can list all the reasons why nothing new will happen. They can list all the reasons why they're just going to hunker down and do what they've always done. And they're honestly very realistic about it when you look at their past and you look at their present. Um, you can just tell, though, even just talking to some of church leaders, pastors, different churches, that they don't expect anybody new to walk in the front door. They don't expect even God to show up in the midst of worship. It's just kind of like going through the motions at some point. But what's really interesting to me, it's always been interesting, is that I can also meet and talk to some other churches in other places who have the very same challenges. This goes for people, by the way, too. The very same challenges. Yet these people actually believe that God's going to show up and do something. And they act like it. They prepare the nursery, even though there's no children yet. And you're like, well, what are you doing? They're saying, well, we're going to try a movie night. We're going to put a fire pit. We heard at your district assembly about you guys doing fire pit Fridays. We're a church of, the, of 19 people in West Virginia. They decided we're going to do a fire pit Friday. <laughs> we're just going to try it. And their age is, the average age is about 70 plus. And they said, we're going we're to try it. The same people with the same challenges. And, and 
you just see that hope that's in their eyes. And guess what? God shows up. <laughs> you know, I was just told it. We had our little pastor review um, by our district superintendent. Like, that church has just doubled in size, believe it or not, from 19 to almost 40 in West Virginia. Like, who would thought lot? Who would have thought that? But it's a, it makes a difference in what we expect. And it's not just in churches, though. It's in our lives, too. And I see it. I see it in you. I've seen it in you. You know, some of you guys here, you've had real obstacles over this past year, for the past decade. And you've really been through the ringer, both financially, in health, uh, in, in maybe you're grieving loss, wrestling through addictions. Maybe you've had things that ravaged your life and your family, and even just the uncertainty that's, that's up ahead. But yet I see people right in front of me here, living with the faith that God can and will show up. People have had estranged family members, guess what, come back. Come back to them. Start mending relationships. I've seen people that, that have been wrestling through some health circumstances that never in a million years would have guessed that they would even still be with us years later. I've seen people that didn't give up hope and said, you know what, I'm going to continue to pursue this, this job opportunity, this career opportunity, and guess what, a door opened in that direction. I've seen that happen, that God has shown up, and making himself available to him instead of giving up is that first step. I've seen it change. Just the, the mentality, the what ifs, the how could we, it changes us. And I, see, I, think, I think Jesus knew this. Jesus knew that this matters. And the more I think of it, the more I think maybe, just maybe the purpose of miracles is to remind people what is possible. So my question for you, will you believe it? Will you believe and live like God is going to show up? In this new year, will you wake up in the morning instead of saying, oh, it's just going to be a repeat of yesterday. 2024 is going to be the same as 2023. The next relationship, yep, it's going to be the same as the last one. The last conversation with him, oh, yep, it's going to be the same. Instead of doing that, will you believe and act and live that God is going to show up? Because it's easy, it's very easy to do the same things. To act in all the reasons why nothing will change, I can't make a difference, and you can expect the same thing. But let's not forget that Christmas is a reminder that God is still present, God is still active. And God can change things. God can change people. Changes us along the way. And our part is to live like it. Not to set our sights too low or expect too little from God. But instead, I hope, I hope that you begin this year expecting God to show up. Because the question is, what's possible? I think the answer is, you may be surprised. Let's pray.